Authors on the Air with Terry Shepard, award-winning broadcaster, narrator, and author of the Jessica Ramirez Thrillers. Brought to you by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network and by Ramirez and Clark Publishers. Presenting Terry Shepard's latest Jessica Ramirez adventure, Chasing the Captain. Available in print, digital, and audiobook everywhere. Thank you, Lisa. Children's books are an interesting genre. On one hand, your message has to appeal to a very young reader. On the other, it must catch the eye and the attention of the adult who is likely to make the purchasing decision. This was new ground for author Gramps Jeffrey, a contributing editor to the Huffington Post and the author of The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart, a nonfiction book written to help entrepreneurs and small businesses compete against the big guys. He's the father of four kids and six grandchildren, and his new kid's book, I Don't Want to Turn Three, is an object lesson about sharing and learning right from wrong that is as important for parents as it is for someone making the life passage from age two to three. Gramps Jeffrey, welcome to Authors on the Air. Oh, I appreciate you inviting me. Thank you so much. What made you want to switch from nonfiction and Huffington Post to kids' books? Well, I think... You kind of take a look at, you know, why did I really write this book? You know, living the past year because of the pandemic, you know, caused by COVID-19 isolation, you know, except with being able to be with family. It gave me a special time to watch and interact with all the grandkids. I'm going to tell you what a trip. You know, all six kids have completely different personalities. The one thing they do have in common is their sense of curiosity. And how excited they get when they do accomplish something new. Watching them grow up year to year and how they interact with each other is really the, the basis for this book. You know, what, what goes through a toddler's minds that parents are so desperate to understand? When does a toddler understand the difference between me and us? You know, this book kind of explores how a family finds that out together. You know, as a baby boomer myself, trying to understand how the world has evolved since I was three years old is also part of the story. You know, my parents didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. In fact, you know, I was my dad's remote. And he called me <laughs> the clicker. You go, you go change the channel. Yeah, right. You know, you know, I was the remote. You know, my, my, the, my parents' definition of discipline is just quite different than the parents of today. You know, has today's world made a better place for children to grow up in? Um, I'll let you kind of answer that question as you weigh how you were treated growing up compared to how we treat our kids today, you know? So I wrote this book to read to all these grandkids. The reaction has been invaluable. As you watch them understand Jordan, who is the star of the book's discovery of right versus wrong, you can see the older kids have gone through this kind of same dilemma. Now, and the younger kids don't quite understand the concept of sharing. And the whole experience for me, I mean, it's just been priceless. Well, and Jordan is not a sympathetic character in this book. Uh, you know, are many two-year-olds sympathetic? <laughs> Think about there's, it that way. There's a reason they call it the terrible twos, I guess, huh? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, the, the real question is, you know, at what age do we begin to take responsibility? Is, is it three years old? Is it 13? Is it 23? I think in a lot of us, it's not till we're 63. Some never do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> what has been the reaction to the book? Well, the reaction from the parents and the grandparents uh, that have read the book is that's happened in my family. So 
I think what's happened in, in the book has happened in just about every family there is around the country in some stage or another. You know, as far as my kids are concerned, you know, the eight-year-old, she really liked it because she got through it. And she could read it to the younger ones and, and they can understand it. The little ones, the ones that are two, three, and four, they like the book because they know it's about them. They said, that's me. That's me. And so they all pay a lot of attention when going through this book. Gramps Jeffrey is our guest. The book is I Don't Want to Turn Three. It actually is written in some pretty grown-up language. Can two-year-olds understand the concepts you're trying to communicate? Well, you know, it's really written for grandparents and parents to kind of share with their kids. You know, when you think about it, what, what are really the benefits of reading to children? Uh, you know, one of the benefits is bonding for, for grandparents and parents. You know, it, it gives you a chance to really sit down, concentrate on something, and it's a nice way to spend time together. So that's one of the reasons why this, you know, when you're reading to kids, you want to make sure that you take the time to bond with them. Another, another reason that you need to read to kids uh, is the support listening skills. You know, you and I have realized over years, that's our best skill. The more we listen, the more we learn. You know, when you're reading to children, you know, this requires them to kind of listen and to focus. So it's important when you think about the benefits of why you're reading to these kids that you want to make sure that it helps support them to listen because they listen now. Hopefully they're going to listen later. You know, another reason is their cognitive and language developments. You know, reading the books helps expand the, the, the variety and the number of words that they use. Uh, and if there's a word they don't understand, maybe sometimes they'll say, well, what does that mean? So, you know, that's a good way if they don't understand some of the grown-up words in this book. They say, what is that? Uh, tell me more about that. You know, and another last reason, it's not really last, but another reason uh, to, to, to read books to kids and my grandparents, it's important, so important for grandparents to, to reinforce this with parents, uh, is the attention span. You know, it helps kids, you know, to key concentration and self-discipline, and it helps them create these benefits, these positive benefits of attention span, which, you know, when you're two or three years old, it's tough to have a lot of attention span. <laughs> Do you remember what age you really figured out the difference between right and wrong? I think it took me till probably I was 13. And then I began to kind of really understand, you know, this is the right way to handle people. What the risk is the right way to talk to people. Yeah. You know, Cause you know, when you're a cocky kid, you know, you're in charge. Nobody else is in charge. What was the catalyst, do you think? Of uh, when, when we actually learned how to take responsibility. Yeah, for you, what, what made you start to be aware of that? Was it parental pressure, peer pressure, or just your own evolution or cog cognitive evolution? I think a lot of it has to do with sports. In other words, uh, when you go into sports, you always think you're going to win, you're going to be the best, but you start losing a little bit. I think that kind of gives you the sense of, you know, I may not be the best. I, I may not be the smartest. Yeah, so, so losing really helps you mature in understanding how to start taking responsibility. From your memories of growing up and being a youngster, how did your parents communicate those concepts to you when you were much younger? And how does that compare, do you think, to today? I think the one big difference of when I was growing up, because I grew up in the 50s and 60s, um, and parents were a lot different than they are today. And I, I was kind of afraid of my dad. You know, you know he, uh, he, he ruled the house. 
he had this nice little belt that he had. And, and when, when we were in line, you know, my brother Larry and I, I mean, he grabbed that belt. He chased us around the kitchen table and chased us around the living room table. I mean, those are the kind of things you remember. He had this paddle. It was his fraternity paddle. And we knew when he grabbed that and brought it out, we were in trouble. So there was one late fall day. I lived up in Ohio and the leaves were on the ground and they all fell in. And my parents went around and my brother Larry and I grabbed the paddle from his uh, closet and we took it out and we buried it underneath the leaves. And then it snowed the next day. And then that spring, it was gone. It was, to me, that was a miracle. That was the, like the first miracle of my life was, <laughs> you know, we got rid of the paddle. Yeah, all right, we win. Um, but, you know, kids today, they don't paddle. They don't, you know, that's not the way it is. And, and I think the evolution came through my generation as I was teaching my kids how to discipline, you know, because we didn't paddle our kids. And I think that went on to their kids. Their, their definition of timeout is their def that's when the kid's really in trouble. They tell the kid, you're going to go into timeout, you stick him in the corner. And after a while, the kid doesn't want to go to timeout. That works much better than chasing me around the kitchen table. Did your dad ever figure out, did you ever come clean about that paddle? Never. We <laughs> never, to this day, we still haven't told him about the paddle. There is a difference in roles when you become a grandparent. It's a lot different than being a parent because you really aren't the head cheese anymore and you have to engage and teach in a different way. How has that been for you? How have you made that transition? Well, the best thing that all grandparents can learn, and I hope I would hope you do, is you've got to be able to support your kids in their decisions. You may not agree with them. You, know, you may think they may be too lax or too tough, but you've got to be able the, the kids have to see that you are an extension of the parents. So the great thing about being a grandparent is you can give them back. Uh, you know, the, the, but the also <laughs> the other thing about a, uh, being a uh, grandparent is kids do remember what happens. I mean, think about it. I, have, I can imagine you probably remember things when you were three, four, five years old, one or two incidents, you know, that influenced your life. And, and usually it's negative. You know, the one thing a grandparent has to be very careful of is, or a parent too, you know, kids remember what you say. So if you go around cussing, I can guarantee you that at the end of the day, you're going to hear that same word back at you. Right? So, so you got to be very, very careful how you handle the kids. But also, you know, I'll give you a quick example. I had the, two of the kids over for the weekend last weekend. Uh, my daughter, my granddaughter is eight and my, the grandson is six. And we had an unbelievable weekend. You know, we're here in Arizona. So we went swimming and we went out and we played ball and we played video games. We went to a, a dinosaur museum. You know, we did all the great stuff. And then on Saturday night, the son, Levi, the grandson, Levi, uh, you know, his grandmother says, I want you to try this food. You don't eat a lot of food. I want you to do this. He says, no, I don't want to. And his grandmother was on top of him. And he, she made him eat this food that he didn't want to eat. So we dropped the kids off on uh, Sunday to the parents, and uh, the parents said, well, how was your weekend? Well, the granddaughter, oh, we had a great time. We went swimming, we went to the museum, we played ball. We had, and, and the only thing my grandson remembered was, grandmother made me eat something I didn't want. He didn't talk about anything else. He didn't, he didn't say how great it was to do these other things. That was his reaction. So you got to remember as grandparents, these kids remember that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, the, obviously your job as a grandparent is to mentor, reinforce what their parents say, 
expose them to other things. Uh, you know, but again, the great thing about grandparents is, you know, because again, over a weekend's time, you know, I can't wait till they take their nap so I can take a nap, you know, because you're always running, you're always running. So, uh, you know, give them back, but, but you just got to be able to leave the impression, you know, that you support everybody. Gramps Jeffrey is our guest. The book is I Don't Want to Turn Three, and his website is GrampsJeffrey.com. That obviously is a moniker that you've picked up uh, relatively recently. Why did you pick that as a pen name? Now, I, my kids started calling me. I, I introduced myself as Gramps when you know when the one or two. And the reason being is, you know, the G is pretty easy for these kids to talk about right away. So Gramps was one of the first things they said. They said Gramps a lot before a lot of other words. Um, and it happens my middle name is Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. And to this day, my wife spells it wrong. She spells it the other way. Uh, so I figured if I put it on a book and I put it on a website, then, you know, by that time, my wife's going to exactly know how to spell my middle name. So that's why I took the Gramps Jeffrey. And you can find the book and all kinds of uh, links to it at gramsjeffrey.com. You're well known for your writings in Huffington Post and for uh, your business bestseller. Why not keep that name? Because, yeah, it's really related to the kids. Uh, the kids don't know me as Mark Joseph. They know me as Gramps. Yeah, and I really wrote the book for the kids. So you know, they, can, they can say, my Gramps, this is my Gramps. He wrote it. Yeah, so that's why I decided to uh, start with a pen name. Because, you know, this is, you know, the title of the book is I Don't Want to Turn Three. The plans are I Don't Want to Turn Four. I Don't Want to Turn Five. I Don't Want to Turn Six. You know, there's a whole series coming up. So that's going to be my pen name is Gramps Jeffrey. It's interesting to read your book because I found it, I found it hard to inject myself into Jordan's mind and think like a two-year-old. You know, like we were talking at the beginning about he comes off as somewhat un unsympathetic. Um, as you move through the series, how will you change that point of view? I think we all start to grow up and have a little more empathy as we grow up. I, I don't think we start off with empathy. You know, everything is, just just listen to twos and three-year-olds. Just stand like, and whether not my kids or any kids, listen to how they don't share and they take from each other. You know, it, yeah, the, the, the funniest thing is uh, we were visiting our kids in Austin last month as a boy and a girl. He's four and she's two and a half. Well, she was, it was like I was reliving the book. She was stealing his trucks. Now, that's great. I, th I think, I think the girls should be doing the trucks as much as the guys. But I mean, she was intent on taking his trucks and his cars. Um, and so, so it happens in every family, you know? So that's all part of the growing up is, is understanding between me and us and then starting to have that empathy, you know, and that's part of the fun of raising kids. We talk about the business of books and authors on the air. Gramps Jeffrey is our guest. His book is I Don't Want to Turn Three. Take us through the process from ideation to publication. How did you do it? Well, I came, I had all the six kids here at one time during COVID. And we were all together and I was watching them. And it's great as grandparents, she kind of looked down because she had to get involved with every single thing going on. And it was just so evident to me that there was a story. So as soon as four of them left, you know, I sat down and I wrote this book. Um, and, and I wrote this book because I could just see that it was important for me to communicate with them what was going on. Now, the interesting thing, 
about little kids is for some reason, they all love dinosaurs. Don't know why, but any little kid you talk to, they'll tell you a dinosaur story. And what's crazy is they can name the dinosaurs. I mean, they're two, three, four years old. They, they know a dozen names of dinosaurs. As far as I'm concerned, there's the small, the big, and the large. You know, but they know they know exactly what the names of the dinosaurs are. They know which one eats meat, which one eats plant, which one eats that one. It, it's it's just an amazing thing to me. The dinosaurs seem to have really pulled these little kids together. I mean, it really is something else. So what we what I decided to do because I have two living in Orlando and two in in Austin, and I've got two here in Scottsdale, that we decided that because they all love dinosaurs, boys and girls, doesn't matter if it's boys or girls, um, that we were gonna play a game every night uh, for the ones that lived far away. And we were gonna put the dinosaurs in different places around the house. So for instance, we had the one night we had the dinosaurs in the refrigerator eating blueberries. Another night we had them in, in the sink uh, you know, they had a little soap on their noses. They were helping grandma wash the dishes. Another night, they were playing the piano. Another night, they were walking up the stairs. Another night, you know, they were doing the laundry. And so we put together these 50 different instances all around. And, and what happened was that all of a sudden, the little kids, again, two, three, four-year-old, every night before they went to bed, they would say to their mom and dad, let's call Gramps. We need to find out where the dinosaurs are. And so uh, my wife's the one that has the iPhone with the Facebook. So they call my wife and they say, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? They wouldn't even say hello to my first. So where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? And, you know, I get on the phone. What are the dinosaurs doing tonight? And every night they would be doing something different. So in a sense, that whole thing of what I had learned when they were all here and their love of dinosaurs is it even brought us closer because every night, Every night, they were calling, asking, what are the dinosaurs doing tonight? Where are they tonight? And so that was a lot of fun. Who did your illustrations? I had an illustrator do it because I can't even draw a straight line. So I wouldn't even have that. So I found this great illustrator. It's all based on real pictures. So every picture of the book is, it was a picture that I had taken of the kids doing something. And she just converted it to uh, artwork. How'd you find her? I found her, uh, you know, I just uh, was looking online. I was looking for a good illustrator online. That's how I found her. And did you use an editor? Did you have somebody check in your work before you sent uh, it? Not really. I mean, I, 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 before I sent it to the book company, uh, you know, but they didn't change anything. So that was good. And she so she also did the typeface for you, the whole whole nine yards and the yeah. visuals? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And what so. made you pick Author House? I looked around and saw what other uh, you know places were going, and I took a look at some of their history, and I thought that you know they did a nice job, and they did. I, I've got, I, I would definitely uh, say that they're a good good house to work with. And how did you make that connection? A lot of the people that listen to the show are in the same boat that you are, trying to figure out the steps and how they did it. Began online, and then what? Yeah, then online, and then interview. So if you're going to do this, make sure you interview three different companies. You want to feel very comfortable with them. Uh, and the other thing you've got to be careful of uh, is how you're going to market the book. You know, so you've got to be able to find a place that you feel is real comfortable in helping you market the book and uh, you know, doing all of the uh, 
social media and website design and all that. So it's very important to kind of pull all that together. And Author House provided that service for you? Uh, no, I provided myself. So if any of your <laughs> listeners want to uh, call me, just email me at Gramps Jeffrey, G-R-A-M-P-S-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y uh, at gmail.com or come to my site and I'll, uh, I'll fill you in on how to do it. GrampsJeffrey.com is the website. The book is I don't want to turn three, and it sounds like a fascinating process of creation uh, for you in that space. How has the book been received generally in the public? How are the sales going? Um, they seem to be doing pretty well. You know, when you think about uh, when you're sitting down with your kids and why you wrote the book, because you, you asked me, why did I write the book? Um, and one of the things that's important about a book is that the kids can really relate to it. Right. So like, for instance, you know, when you sit down with a kid and you're going to you pull a book, because I've got 100 books here. You probably have 100 kids books, too. I mean, yours is great. I love I love yours. Thank you. you know, the mystery bug. I wish you could see that. That's a great book. Yeah. So, yeah, we all have 100 books. So so what, what do you do? So one, one of the best things when you're sitting down with your with your kid, you know, the first thing you want to ask them is, what do you think is going to happen in this book? Yeah. So, you know, in your book, what do you think is going to happen with the mystery box? In my book, you know, what's going to happen when you turn from two to three? You know, so it helps get those kids thinking. Again, it helps going back with the bonding and supporting listening skills and so forth. You know, and then when you're reading the book to them, you know, you want to talk to them, who, who are the characters in this book? Are you one of the characters? Can you, you know, where is it being, is it set, where's the setting? Is it home? Is it the beach? You know, where, where, is, where is it really taking place? So it really gives you a chance when you're reading a book. It doesn't matter which book, because they all have their own uh, unique things going on, is to talk to your kids, you know, who are the characters? Where's the setting? And then, you know, once you're in the middle of the book, you want to kind of ask your kids, does anything in this book seem familiar to you? So in my case, in my book, it should. You know, as you're reading the book, you, you, know, you, you kind of break away and say, say to the two, three, does any of this sound familiar? Have you ever heard anything like this? Does, does, this, does this seem familiar to you? Okay, you know, so that's a good way to do it. And then, you know, after reading it, you, you, sit, you sit down with the kids and you say, you know, what was your favorite part of the book? What, what really, why? You know, what, what did you like about the book? You know, in my case, it may be uh, Jordan stealing all the toys, or maybe, you know, Olivia being a dancer, or maybe, you know, giving to the homeless. But what is your favorite part of this book and why did you write it? Yeah, so it's always, again, going back to the question you asked, what do grandparents do? This is what you do. You know, this is how you get them involved and engaged. So, you know, down the road, that it helps support their listening skills that they're going to need to be successful. What has been the most uh, effective promotion strategy that you've used when you're selling the book? For me, the most uh, is, I think, LinkedIn is fabulous. I don't know how many of the, you are on LinkedIn or work LinkedIn, but, you know, there's thousands and thousands of uh, authors and librarians and teachers. And there's lots of people that, that that if you write a great book, that makes sense for you to reach out to because they wouldn't know about it otherwise. So I, I like LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn, to me, has become one of my best friends. I think, uh, you know, when you think about marketing as a ground root effort, marketing is really You've got to go out there and let everybody know about it. Because unless you're a major author, you know, not everybody knows about you. you know, the, you're, you've got to do your own kind of promotions. Now, in, in my previous life, 
uh, when, when I wrote my first book, yeah, I was able to, I was all over the country signing books in Barnes & Noble or Borders, but that didn't happen anymore. You can't do that with COVID. It's not going to happen. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen for at least another year. Um, so that vehicle of getting out and actually meeting the people and talking to the people and signing books, you know, that's just not going to happen for a while. So as authors, we've got to be able to use social media and the internet to make people aware of who we are. So I want to dig deeper into the LinkedIn relationships. Are you actually reaching directly out to teachers as you did to me? Yes. That's the best, in my opinion, especially, you know, again, my kind of teachers are kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth grade. You know, those are the kind of teachers that I was reaching out to, or I reach out to. Librarians too. You know, there are these books, your book, my book, they all should be in the libraries. You know, so the librarians are the ones that we need to reach out to, too. So, you know, the, the, again, think about who really are the ones. In my case, I'm looking for parents and grandparents uh, to, to read this book to kids. Because two and three-year-olds aren't going to read this book. But it's a book to be read to two or three-year-olds. Gramps Jeffrey is our guest. The book, I Don't Want to Turn Three. GrampsJeffrey.com is the website. The final question that I ask all my guests is the rearview mirror question. If you could go back, knowing what you know now, to that 16-year-old self of yours, that 16-year-old you, what advice would you give that youngster about the future? If I go back to my 16-year-old, I would say to myself, believe in yourself. Yeah, because especially when you're 16, 17, 18, you're, you're hitting that point in life where you're not really sure of the future. You're going to go to college. You're going to join the army. You're going to get married. I mean, just believe in yourself. If you've got passion about something, follow it. Uh, you know, your parents may want you to be a doctor or a lawyer, but if you don't want to be one, don't be one. Be what you want to be. And so that's that's my one advice to myself: is believe in yourself. Gramps Jeffrey has picked the perfect moniker. It's very easy to find him on just about any social network. GrampsJeffrey.com is the website. He is also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. He is everywhere. If you want to read his grown-up stuff, as Mark Joseph, he is all over the Huffington Post with more than 100 articles. And his first book is a big hit, The Secret of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart, written for those of you out there who are entrepreneurs and want to know how to take on the big guys. Gramps, it's been great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for being with us and Authors on the Air. Oh, thank you very much for inviting Authors on the Air with Terry Shepard is a copyrighted presentation of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Check out Chasing the Captain, the newest Jessica Ramirez thriller from Terry Shepard, available in print, digital, and audiobook. I'm Lisa Davis. Join Terry in the next chapter for Authors on the Air. Authors on the Air.